God bless you and welcome to the Solution Radio Show. Thank you for joining me today. I'm Greg Backus, your host. Today's show is our 65th show on WBIG 1280 AM in Aurora. And it's also our last show for right now. I do want to thank Steve Martin, General Manager, and Ryan Gatenby, Program Director of WBIG, for giving me the opportunity to do the Solution Radio Show these past 15 months. It's been a wonderful blessing to do it. On Saturday, though, this is an exciting announcement. On Saturday, August 27th, the Solution Radio Show will be broadcast at 8 p.m. on WYLL 1160 AM in Chicago. Uh, This move to WYLL in Chicago is our first step towards national syndication. And I thank you, the listeners, for helping to make this available by your prayers and by your financial donations. And I'm especially thankful to God, my Heavenly Father, for His grace and His mercy and His direction with the Solution Radio Show. Jesus Christ is still the solution for all the situations you and I might find ourselves in. He is God's solution for all mankind, for all time. He stated in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus Christ is the one who makes a difference. He made a difference in people's lives 2,000 years ago when he lived and walked among people, and he makes a difference today because he was raised from the dead and is seated at God's right hand in the heavenlies. I trust that Christ Jesus makes a difference in your life today, that you see the tremendous love that God has for you, that you come to have a deeper and more full relationship with God as your Heavenly Father, that you see your purpose in life is far above the day-to-day circumstances of life. God's love for you, it knows no bounds. Today we do have a very exciting program We'll hear some wonderful music, as always. We'll read some of the Bible together regarding the topic of keeping your sense of urgency. And our interview segment is with Mike Lawrence. Mike is a minister of God's Word here in the Chicago area, and he teaches a class called The Heart of a Shepherd, Being a Pastor to God's People. It's an interview that I trust you will enjoy. Before we delve into God's Word, let's start off with some music. I can see your mighty hand in the rising of the sun In the chorus of creation when a new day has begun Oh, the wonder and variety of everything I see And you gave withholding nothing and you did it all for me Your love has made me free So I will seek your face I will seek your face Every night and day My Lord And I will seek your face I will seek your face I will sing your praises, my Lord. You say knock and you will answer, seek and you will find. But I'm not looking for a favor, I'm not looking for a sign. I just want to know your voice, Lord, and fellowship so dear. Want to crawl into your open arms, whisper in your ear. My daddy, I am yours. So I will seek your face. I will seek your face every night and day. I will see 
urgency to our day and time. It's an urgency to make known to the world the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is not a time to dance around the scriptures. It's a day to speak the truth with no hesitancy, no agenda, no ulterior motives, no games, no watering down the truth of God's word. The evil in the world is accelerating at an unprecedented rate. Those of us in the United States Well, we are now just beginning to see in our own backyard that which many parts of the world have been seeing for generations and centuries. Darkness is able to grow and blind the hearts of people when the light is not shining. Surely there are pockets of light in the United States and around the world. Those pockets of light are contained in home churches, Bible studies, and some of the larger churches on the street corners of our communities. But more than ever before, this world needs the light of God's Word to shine outside of the four walls of the home churches, outside of the Bible studies, outside of the street corner churches. As the church of the body of Christ, we have at times gotten so distracted by the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. There's been a lot of ego and pride in the church, as we've tried to build our own little kingdoms within the kingdom of God. Those of us who see clearly know that this is not a time to rest on past accomplishments or to retreat behind closed doors or to even think of retiring from the ministry to which God has called us. The prophet Isaiah, he so clearly stated what he saw in his time, and it reflects what we see today. If you have your Bible handy, Isaiah chapter 5, verses 20 through 24 is what we'll read to begin with, and I want to read this in the Amplified Bible. Verse 20, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe, judgment is coming to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever and shrewd in their own sight. Woe, judgment is coming to those who are heroes at drinking wine and men of strength in mixing intoxicating drinks, who justify the wicked and acquit the guilty for a bribe and take away the rights of those who are in the right. Therefore, as the tongue of fire consumes the stubble from straw, and the dry grass collapses into the flame, so their root will become like rot, and their blossom blow away like fine dust, because they have rejected the law of the Lord of hosts, and despised and discarded the word of the Holy One of Israel. Don't we see all around us today 
words spoken by those who influence the masses on TV, in politics, in the music, on the internet, and on the movie screen. They call evil good, and they call good evil. They reject the word of the Lord. They belittle, they misrepresent, and they despise those who speak the word of God. They dismiss our Heavenly Father, the one true God, as if he didn't even exist. Today is not a day to retreat because of their roar of unbelief. Rather, today is a time to boldly stand for truth in the face of lies and accusations and to speak God's word. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 5. And once again, I want to read from the Amplified Bible on these verses. Verse 1, But understand this, that in the last days dangerous times of great stress and trouble will come, difficult days that will be hard to bear. For people will be lovers of self, narcissistic, self-focused, lovers of money, impelled by greed, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, and profane. Verse 3, And they will be unloving, devoid of natural human affection, calloused and inhumane, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, devoid of self-control, immoral, brutal, haters of good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of sensual pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of outward godliness or religion, although they have denied its power, for their conduct nullifies their claim of faith. Avoid such people and keep far away from them. Wow, that's 2 Timothy chapter 3, the first five verses. What a clear description of what we see today. It should be no surprise to us that there is the extent of evil that is present today in this world. Let's continue here in 2 Timothy, still in the Amplified Bible. Verses 12 through 17 we'll read, Indeed, all who delight in pursuing righteousness and are determined to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will be hunted and persecuted because of their faith. But evil men and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, verse 14, continue in the things that you have learned and of which you are convinced, holding tightly to the truth, knowing from whom you learned them, and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Surrendering your entire self to him and having absolute confidence in his wisdom, power, and goodness. Verse 16, all scripture, all of it, all scripture is God-breathed, given by divine inspiration, and is profitable for instruction, for conviction of sin, for correction of error, and restoration to obedience, for training in righteousness, learning to live in conformity to God's will, both publicly and privately, behaving honorably with personal integrity and moral courage. The purpose being, verse 17, so that the man of God may be complete and proficient, outfitted, and thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 12 through 17 in the Amplified Bible. We should never be surprised that there is persecution of the righteous by the unrighteous. God's Word says that those who live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So it's no surprise. But in the face of persecution, we are clearly instructed in God's Word what our response is to be. Continuing still in the same context, Let's start in chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, verse 1. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Verse 2, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. 
That was the King James Version. The Amplified Bible says here about verse 2, Preach the word as an official messenger. Be ready when the time is right, and even when it is not. Keep your sense of urgency, whether the opportunity seems favorable or unfavorable, whether convenient or inconvenient, whether welcome or unwelcome. That's the Amplified Bible there of 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. When you speak the word of God, you cannot go by the five senses. It might appear to be unfavorable, inconvenient, and unwelcome because of the audience present, but you still speak the word of God. I think much too often God's people have been too concerned about offending someone with the gospel of Christ. So it just doesn't get spoken. You hear so often, and I quote, We don't talk about religion here. Well, why not? Who set that rule? I'll tell you who. The evil one who desires to intimidate God's people and suppress the word of God. God's arch enemy set that rule. I'm not going to follow his rules. Neither should you. When you have a humble heart towards God as you hold forth God's word, you will be loving and kind. I believe a tremendous deception has been foisted upon God's people to keep them from speaking God's word. It's to the point where some think that others will just see and know the God in Christ and me because of the love that I have for them just by my actions. But they never get around to speaking the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I know some are not going to like, nor are they going to agree with what I'm about to say. But that type of thinking, to think that all I have to do is be kind and loving towards people, will lead them to Christ, that's nothing more than mental assent to the Word of God. Mental assent is really nothing more than fear. Fear of what others may think, fear of rejection, Mental assent is fear of speaking God's word because someone might say, you know, we just don't talk about God and religion around here. Believing God now will surely include being nice and being loving, but believing God must also, it has to, contain the spoken word of God. Verse 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. You know, the time is here, it has come, that many do not want to hear sound doctrine, the truth of God's word. They seek out teachers that will satisfy their desires and support their error. They want their ears tickled with some new false doctrine. These false doctrines they call evil good and good evil. It's all around. Well, in light of that, then what do we do? Verse 5, here's our answer. But watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of your ministry. How do we watch? We watch by prayer prayer with our understanding, and prayer in the Spirit. We are to endure persecution. In other words, we don't give up. We don't quit speaking God's word because of the evil words or the evil actions of others. We are not shamed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then we're to do the work of an evangelist. We are messengers of the good news. We boldly proclaim God's word. As we read earlier in verse 2 in the Amplified Bible, Remember it said, preach the word, preach the word as an official messenger. Be ready when the time is right, and even when it's not. Keep your sense of urgency, whether the opportunity seems favorable or unfavorable, whether convenient or inconvenient, whether welcome or unwelcome. And then we're able to make full proof of our ministry. Each of us has a purpose, a ministry in the body of Christ. Your ministry may be one of the ministries listed in Ephesians, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher. 
Or your ministry may be one that's listed in Romans chapter 12. Service to others, teaching, exhorting. You may have a ministry of prayer, as Epaphras did, where it states in Colossians 4 that he labored fervently in prayer, that the believers would live and fulfill their calling in all the will of God. What a tremendous ministry that is, to pray for others. Or your ministry, it could just be heeding to the Spirit of God as He directs you day by day, as He works within you to will and to do of His good pleasure, as it states in Philippians chapter 2. And you know what? If you don't know what your ministry is, well, look for the need and just jump in and get involved. When you have a heart to serve God, and to serve people. God will open doors for you. God will direct your heart. He will bring across your path people that you are able to help and minister to. And we also see from the scriptures that there's always the need to speak God's word. Out of all the evil in the world, there are people participating in that evil who have not yet known or heard of the love that God has for them. You have the privilege to speak God's word to them and to turn them from darkness to light. Remember the Apostle Paul? He once persecuted the Christian church, throwing believers into jail, having believers murdered, God's children. Well, he was witnessed to by Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. His life turned around. He turned from darkness to light. You and I have the privilege to operate the ministry of reconciliation today. God has given us that word that we can speak to others to turn them from darkness to light. What a tremendous privilege that is. What an awesome responsibility. What great reward, what joy there is to see people turn from darkness to light. Ephesians chapter 5, if you've got your Bible handy, let's look there. We'll start in verse 8. For ye were sometimes darkness... But now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. We were previously living in spiritual darkness before we got born again, before we came to a knowledge and understanding of God's word. But now we are light. God is light and we are his children. We have Christ in us. We are children of light. We are to live the light that God has made us to be. What a wonderful privilege. Verse 9, For the fruit of the Spirit, and that word Spirit actually should be translated light and is the word light in many of the transcripts. For the fruit of the light is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Your life is the fruit of the light. Your life lived is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. When you live your life from a heart of love and service to your heavenly Father, it displays itself as good, righteous, and truthful. Continuing in verse 11, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, For whatsoever does make manifest is light. It is the light of your life lived that reproves or confronts the darkness of this age. You demonstrate by your life that you are God's children. It states in 1 John that God is light. Jesus Christ said of himself in the Gospels that he was the light of the world. We are the children of light. And it states in Philippians that we are to shine as lights in this world. Continuing back in Ephesians verse 14, Wherefore he says, Awake thou that sleeps, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as a fool, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Literally, we are to wake up to the truth of who we are in Christ and what our true purpose is here in this life. Christ is the light that makes clearly evident the darkness of this world. 
see through the tricks of the adversary when he states, and I quote, we don't talk about God or religion here. Don't be tricked. Don't be intimidated. We are to live our lives accurately and precisely by living according to God's word and the spirit of God's direction. We hold on to and we're to use the limited time available because the days are evil. Why is the time limited? Because this age of grace will come to an end at the return of Jesus Christ. Could be today, maybe a hundred years from now. No one knows the day or the hour, but the Lord is going to return. It is going to happen someday. The days are dark, and only the light of God can expose the darkness and turn people from the power of Satan unto the one true God. We are very unwise if we do not redeem the time that we have. We are wise when we know our Heavenly Father and when we live according to His will and His direction. His word makes known His will. He's not hiding from us. Philippians chapter 2 Let's look at verses 13 through 16. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life. We hold on to and hold forth the word of life. It is God who is at work within you to will and to do of His good pleasure. That which God directs you to do should be done without argument. God will never take advantage of you. God will never harm you. When you take heed to His working within and perform the task He's directed you to do, you will be blameless, harmless, and pure in this immoral and perverse world. You shine as a light when you do His will. Hold on to and hold forth by speaking the word of God. There is no genuine true deliverance outside of the one true God through the accomplished work of Jesus Christ. Just as the angel of the Lord opened the prison doors for Peter and John in Acts chapter 5 and the angel told them to go stand and speak in the temple all the words of this life. So, too, we are exhorted by God to speak his word. In Acts chapter 5, we also see the religious leaders of that day commanding that Peter and John not speak in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's read a couple of those verses. Acts chapter 5, verses 40 through 42. And when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Did the apostles obey the politically correct doctrine of the day to not preach the name of Jesus Christ? No, hardly. They ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ every day in the temple and in every house. They were living what we saw earlier in 2 Timothy. Preach the word as an official messenger. Be ready when the time is right and even when it is not. Keep your sense of urgency, whether the opportunity seems favorable or unfavorable, whether convenient or inconvenient whether welcome or unwelcome. Speak God's word. What a life. What a privilege to live and to speak the truth. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Christ is not ashamed of you. There is great reward for you throughout all eternity as you live and speak as God directs. This mountain rises high 
Our guest today is Mike Lawrence. Mike is an ordained Christian minister and pastor with Faithful in Christ Ministries in the Chicago area. He has taught throughout the United States at various churches and Bible study groups a servant leadership seminar called The Heart of a Shepherd Being a Pastor to God's People. Mike and his wife Sheila have been teaching home-based fellowships for over 40 years. I'd like to welcome Mike Lawrence to the Solution Radio Show. Welcome, Mike. Thanks, Greg. Glad to be here. Thank you. It's wonderful to have you with us today. Uh, can we start out, if you could tell us a little bit of your testimony of how you came to, to be born again and to know the Lord Jesus Christ? Sure. Well, I was raised in a Christian home in Topeka, Kansas. That's my hometown. And uh, But when I was about 12 years old is when I first had a real personal desire to have a personal relationship with God. And so in my search, I actually started going to youth group meetings, the Sunday morning fellowships, the Sunday evening church services, and I even wrote down questions and had my mother take me around to different ministers in the uh, city to find out some answers. But at about the end of 30 days, I found out that I couldn't get the answers I was looking for. So at that point, I literally dropped out of church and began taking drugs and run with a pretty rough crowd. But when I was 17, I was witnessed to by a high school friend, and I was asked if I'd come to one of her home-based fellowships. So after the fellowship, I went out with some of those who were there, and 
And I was asked if I was born again, and quite honestly, I didn't know what they were talking about. So they explained to me about Romans 10.9 hmm. and asked me if I would confess Jesus as my Lord and if I believed that God raised him from the dead. And I said I would, and I did believe that God raised him from the dead. And then they started talking about speaking in tongues. And I, about 4 o'clock that morning, uh, I started speaking in tongues, and it changed my life. I quit drugs and drinking that very night and started going to those Bible home fellowships, and that was back in August of 71. A couple le- weeks later, I was in uh, my senior year of high school and started a Bible club so we could have fellowships at my school. And that was really the start of my new life and my initial start at being a Christian leader. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> what, a, what a great story, and it's been nonstop since. Yeah, that's true. Now, I know over the last few years you've been focusing in your study of God's Word on the topic of servant leadership. Uh, why did you choose that topic to study? Well, actually, I like to refer to it as shepherd leadership. And let me explain the difference. Shepherd leadership, I believe, has a deeper meaning than the more often used term of servant leadership, and that's why I use it. A servant or a hireling may not be as committed as a shepherd in doing the same job as the way a shepherd would do it. And, you know, when difficulty or danger comes, the hiring, hireling might flee, but the shepherd is always willing to give his life for the flock. So the shepherd's fully invested in each and every one of his flock. It's not a job. It's really his life. So I really call it shepherd leadership. I've been interested in leadership for a long time over the years both in business and in ministry. I worked uh, uh, for a company here in the Chicagoland area for 26 years. A lot of it dealt around leadership. So I've always had an interest in that. And I've seen a lot of uh, excellent examples, but more often than not, I've actually seen leadership misused. Mm -hmm. So as a Christian, I wanted to understand from God's perspective what it took to be a true spiritual leader of God's people. And as I was thinking about this interview, I thought back, and I remembered it was in 1993, I was reading First Chronicles 17.7, where it said, Now therefore thus shalt thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheep coat, even from following the sheep, that thou shouldest be the ruler over my people Israel. You know, it made me wonder after I read that, I sat there and I thought about that verse for quite a while. And the question that kept coming up to my mind is, what was it that David learned being a shepherd that qualified him to be a ruler over God's people? Hmm. And really, that's where it all got started. Wow, that's a wonderful example to start with, seeing David as his example as a shepherd. And that's a great question, Mike. I've never thought of that before. In, in that seminar on shepherd leadership that you do teach, and you've taught at several locations around the country, it's titled The Heart of a Shepherd being a pastor to God's people. Can you give us an overview of that seminar? Sure. The class itself is about eight hours long, and it focuses primarily on what it means to take care of each and every individual that's under our care as spiritual leaders. And although there can be numerous ways of approaching this topic of leadership and taking care of God's people, if you go to Amazon.com or any bookstore, for that matter, and, and do a search on Christian leadership or spiritual leadership, Literally hundreds and hundreds of books will pop up. So it's not a new topic, but I think that this idea of shepherd leadership is just now starting to kind of come in on its own. So I tried to take it from the perspective of a pastor. But let me clarify just for a minute the term pastor, because that term now is used quite frequently in the Christian churches. It's kind of taken the place of the term reverend, which is a more formal term, and so anybody who is a servant of a church is a pastor. But I want to understand this pastor as it is defined in the Bible. And, um, and so what, the way I define it is the ministry of a pastor is one of several ministries that are designed to benefit the church, and that ministry of a pastor works in harmony with other ministries, too. Um, their job is to perfect and fully equip the believers. Mending all spiritually all ruptures among the saints is one translation that's used in Ephesians. Understanding that they'll work together better in service to building up the body once those ruptures have been repaired. 
that's really the function of the ministers, and a pastor's role is one of that. And the result is unity in the family faith. They're going to have more mature, fully grown, and complete individuals in Christ. And the pastor specifically accomplishes this by speaking words of comfort, intending, guiding, nourishing, cherishing, ruling, and protecting the flock against the, the predators. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit about the, the pastor and my definition of it. Now, some of the topics covered in the class, as I talk about different ministries in the church, it's a gift that benefits others. I talk about the biblical shepherd, and I give it from an Eastern perspective. The Bible, as it was written, is not a Western book in our culture. It's written more in the Middle East than that type of mind frame and mindset. So understanding what it means to be a shepherd in the Middle East is very different than how we see it here in the Western world. Of course, talking about the shepherd, we can't, can't go anywhere without ending up somewhere in Psalm 23. And I call that the shepherding archetype because it truly sets the pattern for every pastor and their roles and responsibilities within the church. Uh, we've read it for a lot of different reasons, but that really comes out in this class. And, of course, we look at Jesus Christ, who is the shepherd's living example. He was called the good, great, and chief shepherd. So we look at his life and example, and I spend a lot of time on how he worked specifically as a shepherd with Peter. Then we talk about being a shepherd and the duties of a biblical shepherd today and what that means. And then finally we close out for the need for the shepherd today, that they willingly take the oversight, as it talks about in Peter. So that's kind of a, a little bit of an overview of, of eight hours of teaching. Well, in your, your study of the Scriptures for that class regarding shepherd leadership, who or what incident from the Bible has had the greatest impact on your heart and life? Well, of course, Jesus Christ is probably the biggest one. It's, it's hard to not think of him, especially thinking about the shepherd. But when I was thinking about, you know, as, as, we're, as you asked that question, probably Joseph in, in my own life has probably been the, uh, a great example. And uh, the reason I like Joseph is because he was always faithful to trust God regardless of his situation in life. And he knew that God had a purpose for him. He just didn't know the path that it was going to take to get him there. And for me, I've seen that in my own life, and maybe you've seen that in yours. I'm sure others have, too. I always knew that God wanted me to help his people. I knew that early on. I think that's why I started that um, Bible club at high school, so we could have fellowships right at the school. Mm-hmm. But I never would have been able to predict the places, the people, and events it would take to get me where I'm at today. Uh, just like Joseph, all the things that he had to go through. Now I'm really excited to see what else God has in store for me in the future. Yeah, it's an exciting life to to live for Him and to to live your purpose according to what He's called you to do, which you're surely doing with your example and your teaching of God's Word. Now, Mike, can you tell us some of the biblical qualities that would be found in the life of an individual that is a shepherd leader? Sure. Um, one of the topics in the class that I break break out is there's really kind of six areas that a shepherd leader has to focus on. And um, I, I broke it down to this. They seek lost and straying sheep. Today that would be equivalent to soul winning and evangelism. So that's the role of a, of a shepherd leader. Feeding the sheep. Uh, obviously teaching and preaching would fit that, that bill. Uh, guiding the flocks, the leadership and oversight that it takes to do that. Tending the sheep, which is visiting, counseling, and pastoral care. It also includes restoration. Sometimes, you know, people just need to be restored back to where they were at. Uh, the next one is protecting the herd from predators. So we talk about today ethics, vigilance, and doctrinal purity. And finally, and maybe even the most important one, because I think it really is the foundation for all the others, and that really is loving their flocks or loving the flock, and that really takes compassion. Mm-hmm. So those are really some of the basic qualities that I found as, of a biblical shepherd. Now I guess this next question sort of ties into what you were just saying, but can you give us a specific example of shepherd leadership in day-to-day life for, for you or I or any of our listeners? You know, uh, 
that's a great topic, and uh, because with all the spiritual learning, you know, it says it's an eight-hour class, but it doesn't mean much if we can't apply it in our daily lives. And right. so, really, that's that's where I kind of close out in the class is how does that apply today? Uh, one of the greatest lessons that I've learned in studying the shepherd is that the shepherd was always concerned about each individual sheep and would do, would do whatever it was needed at the time to take care of it. If there's a single message that comes out in the class, it is that it's not the flock, it's the individual sheep that count. And so in our lives and how we apply it is, you know, the good shepherd would do his best to take care of the flock, but to take care of each sheep individually. And each one of us has somebody that we work with or we care for or we're responsible for, for in some form or fashion. And if we'll just endeavor to take care of them as a true shepherd would, they're going to grow and prosper, and then we get to see that, we get to participate in that. Because we love them, we're involved in their lives, but then we also get the benefit of giving and, and being a part of their lives in that way. So in the end, that's probably the best thing I could say. Yeah, it really does just come down to that one-on-one relationship and dealing with the heart issues of life with people just as Jesus Christ did. Absolutely. Now, I know that a relationship with God is tied vitally in to being an effective shepherd leader. Can you maybe elaborate on that a little bit, our relationship with our Father? Well, when you read the Bible, when it talks about Psalm 23, it t- David is writing about God as the shepherd, and he lays out all the qualities of a shepherd. And of course, David knew that. So God is really, I call him the ultimate shepherd. And Jesus Christ is the good, great, and chief shepherd. Now, we talk about the word pastor actually uh, could be translated in the Bible. It's the same word as shepherd. It's, that's how the word pastor is actually used throughout the Bible, except just in a couple places. And so we're shepherds, but we actually, I would use the term under-shepherds. We're under the chief shepherd or the ultimate shepherd, the chief shepherd being Jesus Christ and the ultimate shepherd being God. So we're under-shepherds to them. We're one working under them. We have to have a strong relationship with each one of them. Jesus is over all the flock or over all the church, and we each have our own small portion of, of what we're supposed to watch over as leaders and and God's work, but they're all God's sheep. They're all God's people. They're not ours. And so as shepherd leaders, we must take our orders from our boss. So it, if you don't have that relationship, you're not going to be able to lead your sheep in the proper way. It seems like without the relationship, it just becomes activity or religious action, uh, minus the heart and the spiritual direction of the Father. That's right. Mike, what's on your heart today that you'd like to share with our listeners to encourage them in the things of God? Well, I want to, you know, as, we're, as we've been talking about this shepherd class, I want to make sure that people understand that the shepherd is uh, its an analogy in the Bible. Obviously, we're not sheep. There's certain reasons that the sheep are used in, in the Bible, and of course we get into that in the class, but we're all children of God. We're... we're we're people, we're individuals, we're not sheep. But the sheep is a good analogy, and, and the, the shepherd portion of leadership still really applies. You know, when, when I, you ask about encouraging people in the things of God, one of the great things that I've learned over the years, you know, I've been a, a Christian now for, gosh, almost 45 years, and... Uh, I just learned that God has never given up on me. He's always taken care of me in every situation. And I saw more and more of that as I was working, especially in Psalm 23, and just saw how God as a shepherd just took care of his people so well. And I've seen that in my own life. I've seen God work that way in others, and he's such a wonderful God. And he cares individually for each one of us. And he gave us his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus lovingly gave his own life that we might have eternal life. It's interesting, in John 10, Jesus is confronting the Pharisees about what it means to be a good shepherd. And he states in verse 10, one translation says, I came that they might have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Wow, what a wonderful word picture that that paints in in our minds of, Jesus is the shepherd. 
And then what it talks about where it overflows, it talks about in Psalm 23 where he fills the cup until it just overflows. There's more than abundance there. And so God has given us everything. Jesus Christ has provided everything that we need. And you know what the great thing is? How can we turn any of that down? It's already paid for. All we have to do is really accept it. And I think I also just really want people to realize that they need to know that we have a wonderful shepherd in Jesus Christ, and that that means that no matter what, he will always come for us. We're never in a situation which he will not rescue us or rescue you, that, you know, the individual who might be listening. It's interesting, the good shepherd left the 99 and went and searched out for the one. Uh, a friend of mine actually did a beautiful painting. It's called The One. And it's interesting. It shows the shepherd. He's got his staff in his hand. He's got a, a little lamp that he's holding there. It's dark outside. And he's got this little lamb tucked under his arm, and he's carrying it back to the flock. And it's a beautiful picture because it told me in, in looking at that that regardless of day, night, whatever the situation was, when the shepherd found out that there was one missing, he didn't say, well, it's only one. He did whatever he needed to do, and he went out and he found the one, did whatever it took. And Jesus Christ has done that for us. He'll always come out and, and look for us. Sometimes, sometimes we're with the 90 and 9, and sometimes we're with the 1. So I don't want people to ever think that they're alone and there isn't anyone that they can turn to because it certainly is there. So for me, the, the sharing of this class and the materials that, I, that I've learned and, and studied and, and worked, the greatest thing that I can say is that it taught me how personal God is and how personal our Savior Jesus Christ is. And that he would have gone out just, he would have done all this if even... Only you were the only person that, that would have made it worthwhile. But you know what? The great thing is that's not true because we have a huge family. But God is so wonderful. His son, Jesus Christ, has done so much for us. And we have so much to be thankful for. So why not just accept that we can have that life and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows? Now, that's wonderful, Mike. Very encouraging. Thank you. Now... How can our listeners get a hold of you if they'd like to have you teach the Heart of a Shepherd class, maybe in their church or their Bible study group? Probably the easiest way to reach me would be through my email. It's mike.lawrence, and I should spell that last name. It's a little different. It's L-O-R-E-N-C, like in cat, E. So mike.lawrence at faithfulinchrist.org. Okay, I'll put that uh, email address up on our website as well so people can reach you that way. That'd be great. Thank you very much for your time today, Mike. I really appreciate it. Uh, have a wonderful day. God bless you. God bless you too, Greg. Thank you very much. You're welcome. People come and go Places change with time Things that now are new Will one day lose their shine The headlines in the news Each day we leave behind The glory of this world Will lose its crown in time But love won't ever change Love is forever Love will stay the same Love is forever Love will always be Love won't fade away Love will always shine Love is forever The fashions and the trends Go in and out of style New, improved, and cool Will only last a while The customs and events Become
history tomorrow The rich and poor alike Leave behind what they have borrowed But love won't ever change Love is forever Love will stay the same Love will always be, love won't fade away, love will always shine, love is forever, no love won't ever change, love is forever, love will stay the same, love is forever, love will always be, love won't fade away, love will the mystery Open up your eyes Do all things with love Is it not love that always will abide Reach out your tender hand Thank you for joining us today on the Solution Radio Show, and thank you to Mike Lawrence for sharing his heart and life with us today. All of the Solution Radio Shows are archived at thesolutionradioshow.com, where you may re-listen at your convenience. There are also links to the websites of our guests, musicians, and sponsors. Also on the website, there is a page for upcoming events. And a reminder that the Praise Line is open 24 hours a day, where you may call in and give a testimony of God's working in your heart and life. The number is 844-705-3410. We will play those testimonies in upcoming shows. And... Just as I've stated the past several weeks, I'll state again, it's that time of year again. It's warm outside. It's beautiful out. I love to go out and uh, hit the streets, maybe do a little door-to-door. If any of you in the Chicago area would like to join me, to go out to the streets and reach out to people and make prayer available, to speak God's word to people, to share with them the greatness of what Jesus Christ has done for them, to the end that they can have eternal life. What a joy it is to do that. Uh, Shoot me an email if you want to join me. Um, I've got a flexible schedule this week. Greg at the Solution Radio Show.com. And after I hear from you, we'll set up a date and a location, and we will have a blast holding forth God's Word on the streets of the Chicago area. Please continue to keep in your prayers the expansion of the Solution Radio Show. As I mentioned at the beginning of today's show, our next broadcast is Saturday, August 27th at 8 p.m., and that'll be on WYLL 1160 AM in Chicago. And once again, I do want to give thanks to Steve Martin and Ryan Gatenby of WBIG for making available the Solution Radio show these past uh, 65 weeks on WBIG. The Solution Radio show is listener-supported both by your prayers and your financial giving. Thank you for your support. It's greatly appreciated. All of your financial donations are tax deductible. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 9002, Naperville, Illinois 60567. Once again, that address, P.O. Box 9002, Naperville, Illinois 60567. Also, there is a donation link available on our website. Have an awesome rest of your day. God bless you. You are God's very best.